This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. And this is why patriots have to put their shoulder to the wheel. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome. We're at CPAC Live. This is War Room Battleground. we got an incredible audience today. But man, the guests, I got Cash Patel. Cash, you've had, you were uh, on the National Security Council for President Trump. You're really his assistant for counterterrorism. You're a guy that really was Devin Nunez's guy for years on the Intelligence Committee. Uh, you went over to the Pentagon. You were the chief of staff at the end. I got to ask you, knowing President Trump and knowing kind of the, the, what happened in those days, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he actually ask for, I saw Pelosi and I think it was Cheney, mm -hmm. Lighten up President Trump this week. Did President Trump not make a request for actually have troops, given his concern about everything, how heated it was in the run-up to uh, January 6th? Yeah, Steve, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. So, yeah, look, as chief of staff, you know how the military works. It is unconstitutional for any president to order the deployment of the military domestically. The law is crystal posse, clear. Posse, posse, comitatus. Nailed it. Right. The president can make a request, and then there, uh, the president can make an authorization, then there has to be a request. January 3rd or 4th, we're in the Oval Office, me, the SecDef, the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, the President and Chief of Staff of the United States. President Trump authorized up to 20,000 National Guards for across the country, not just D.C., for events related to January 6th. We said, Roger that, sir. That activated the chain of command. We went to Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser went to D.C. There has to be, a lo under the law, a local government has sign for it. request it. We went to her in person two days earlier. She said no in writing. I have Mayor Bowser's letter where she refused the additional support of the National Guard. The Capitol Police's memorandum, who report to Nancy Pelosi, that's also public now. They went, the chief of police went to them, and they said no, no National Guard. So President Trump could not do anything else on January 6th until those requests come in. Hold on, hold on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're telling me you were in the Oval Office. You had uh, Miller was DOD at the time, yep. interim DOD. Yep. Yourself, you were chief of staff over there. Uh, he actually made an authorization request because it's got to go out the way Posse Comitatus works. A local authority has, has to sign it yeah. and okay it. You sent that out for the deployment of 20,000. Was it National Guard? National Army? Guard. It's National, National Guard. Guard. 20,000 throughout the country, yeah. potentially for things that might happen on January 6th. This was on the 3rd of January. That would have been Saturday or Sunday? Sunday, I think it was. Sunday? Yeah. yeah. And that authorization went to Nancy Pelosi and it went to Mayor right. Bowser? And they rejected it in writing. The documents are on my website, DurhamWatch.com. They're free. All the Jan 6 stuff. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Why is the New York Times, why is the Washington Post and the New York Times not picking up the story? They don't want Every story. headline out there is that Trump didn't uh, want to authorize troops, didn't no. want to have any troops, failed in his duty as commander-in-chief. Liz Cheney's pounding him. You're saying that's a lie, and you've got the receipts? And we've got the receipts, and I was the first guy subpoenaed by January 6th. I went in there and brought their, their documentation put it into the record. I testified for six hours. They didn't want to talk about uh, January 6th. I, th I missed, somewhere I missed in all the clips, I missed Cash Patel talking about the 20,000. Did they not want to put that up in front of the nation and see Why is that not one of the video clips that, that Cheney shows? Because you're, you, you're, you know this better than anybody. That doesn't fit their narrative, the disinformation campaign. And I'm glad you brought up Liz Cheney. So last week she was asked on national TV, 
what about President Trump's authorization? She goes, Steve, she goes, there was no, quote, order from the president to deploy troops uh, in the United States. And I said, thank you, Liz Cheney, for exonerating the president of the United States of the very crime of insurrection because, because, which you're charging. Because he can't order troops. It's unconstitutional for him to order that. And the Secretary of Defense testified to that, rightly so, no order. And then they tried to harp another narrative. Oh, Donald Trump didn't call me or the SecDef on Jan 6. I didn't need a phone call from him. I needed a phone call from Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser for well, the request. Well, walk the audience through posse comitatus. Yeah. Well, about, about this, is a very, people don't realize after the Civil War, this came up. It's a very big deal about deployment of federal troops for a domestic situation. There was a big issue about this yeah. in Katrina yep. what, over a decade ago. Explain to the audience what it is and that what the commander in chief has to do. Yeah. So look, our founding fathers were right. It's got to be a civilian control of government, a civilian control of the military. We never want an actual insurrection where somebody hijacks the military and takes over the government. So Posse Comitatus comes in and says two things have to happen. The president can only authorize the use of the National Guard. Then there must be a request from local authorities before that deployment occurs. We got the authorization days before. We've, we've put that before the Jan 6 committee. They can't refute it because it's the truth. Liz Cheney comes in and, and bandies this narrative about order. Let me remind your audience, Steve, Dick Cheney was Secretary of Defense in 1992 during the L.A. riots. Do you know what Dick Cheney did as Secretary of Defense? Got a authorization from H.W. Bush's president for National Guard. Then Dick Cheney got a request from Governor Lewis in California, and they deployed the National Guard. Was it Duke Dumasian? Was that the governor? Or I think Lewis. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. But Liz Cheney knows how it works. So in other words, she knows the process. Then why is the media focus on this word order because even the even the uh, miller mm. had said that the president cannot order that that's right it's against the law to order that in fact if he did order that then he would actually potentially be an insurrectionist right he went through the exact process and over at dod you had the lawyers at dod check this out and the white house counsel everybody moved on it here's i, I say do the reverse math because on january 6th right when pelosi and bowser finally made the request we prepped to the limit of the law and we got the fastest coal start of the United States National Guard since World War II into D.C. because we were ready and because the president authorized it. But it takes time. We got to fly these guys in from all over the country. But if the reverse math is true, right, everything we would have done would have been unconstitutional if what Liz Cheney and company is saying is true. How did the secretary of defense have the authority to mobilize the National Guard if Trump didn't authorize it? Miller what, would have been involved in, in the letters from Pelosi and Bowser. Yeah. What are their rationale for turning down the optics, authorization? Optics. Remember, these are the same people, Steve. When President Trump walked across Lafayette Park with one military guy with one sidearm, they went nuts. Fast forward to January 6th. Do you know what Nancy Pelosi asked us for? Belt-fed machine guns and armored tanks. I said, ma'am, we're not turning downtown D.C. into downtown Kandahar. Hold on, hold on, hang on. Their letter said the optics would look bad if troops were deployed. They actually have that in the letter. Uh, and the, the, January 6th have, the, the January 6th committee has not put that in front of the American people? We, I did. It's out there now. Bowser's letter and the Capitol Police timeline is on my website. Okay, we've got to get it up and put it on the war room. This yeah. is a huge story. Yeah, nobody's talking about it. I'm glad you're clearing it up because most no. Americans think... No, no, no. From last week when she said order, people think, well, Trump didn't do anything. Because they want it to mean like... And here's... You know, I'm a former federal prosecutor and a public defender. I said, if you charge Donald Trump with insurrection, I call one witness, Liz Cheney, and a hit play. Donald Trump did not order the National Guard on January 6th. That's correct. Thank you. Right. He's Next. innocent. Next. Next. By the way, Cash was the key guy. You were a chief counsel. Uh, you were the chief counsel for the uh, House Intelligence Minority Council, yeah. right? For majority under, at the time. Minority, majority for under Nunes. New, New yeah, right. Russiagate. Yeah, but, but, man, shifty shift. We went down to the skiff <laughs> and got grilled by that guy. If it hadn't been for Cash, 
isn't that but the, isn't that one of the reasons that this committee is not really getting any traction they don't really have a uh, a minority leader and they, they don't have minority council so there's no tension there it's all just hearsay and just guys throwing stuff out no i'm glad you brought it up it's not the sexy stuff but congress has a constitutional oversight role as you know that can only be performed constitutionally if both parties participate this is a unilateral committee that is acting illegally and unlawfully. And they said themselves, we're only giving you snippets of the investigation. They won't release my transcript. I've asked for its release every day since I took it. Okay, talk to us. You've turned into a writer, by the way. Yeah. I was talking about this a couple weeks ago. This plot against the king, by the way, is it number one on Amazon and children's books? It's the number one children's book in the country. Number period. one children's books in the country from Cash Patel. It's a great story. It's a it's kind of a myth about President Trump. It's incredible. It's Russia Gate for kids. Russia Gate for kids. And by the way, that's the way you got to learn. Um, it's such a big hit. Are you thinking about doing another one? We are doing another one, and I like to come one. out on your show in two weeks and announce the sequel. No, no, no. We it, want to. Can it's going to blow the lid off the country. Really? So yeah. You're doing a sequel to this number one child children's book. Why did you decide? Because you're a lawyer, you're a serious guy, counterterrorism. Every time you talk to Cash, <laughs> Nunez and Cash would come over. You go, oh my God, the Rush end of the world. Guys, the it's the end of the, it's the end of the world. How did you get into the business of writing children's books? You know, we you know we just came. My team came up with this idea. We've educated America on Russiagate, and we know what happened. Yeah, we exposed right. it. But what about our kids? What about our youth? Yeah. Why aren't they learning the truth? So this is an apolitical way okay. for our children to learn the power of the truth. And you've promised me that we're going to come back in two weeks when you got the next one. Oh, the next okay. installment. Go you're to you're, you're going to lose it okay, when I announce this next installment. Uh, by the way, we got to start having you on the war on a more regular basis. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. Okay, great. Cash Patel, one of the great patriots, and also guys like him and Rick Rennell. And Nunez, these are the guys, these are leaders of the MAGA movement. They got Trump's back all the time. You looking forward to the second term? I am. I know you are, too. Now, We're by the way, doing it together. is Cash Patel going to run? Should Cash Patel head the CIA <laughs> in the second term for President Trump? I'll be there with you, brother. Thank you. Thank Thanks you, so much. Cash Patel. Thanks. Okay, we're going to get, sir. we're going to turn now to China. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, Cash is going to be at the speech tonight. We'll see you right afterwards. We're about to bring in one of the top experts on China. A man that's dedicated his life to taking down the CCP, the one and only Gordon Chang. The one and only Steve Bannon. Okay, as we're sitting here right now, something you've warned everybody about for a long time, the potential if you're weak, all of a sudden you can slide into a kinetic war against the CCP. Do you believe that they're prepping right now a naval and air blockade of essentially our ally in Taiwan? Yeah, of course. What we have seen, the Chinese declared those live fire exclusion zones around Taiwan. There are six of them. They actually encircle Taiwan. So that they've looks encircled like, Taiwan right now. They've encircled Taiwan right now. And one of those zones, the one to the southwest, yes. is so close to the main island of Taiwan yes. that it actually infringes Taiwan sovereign airspace and water. That's incredibly provocative. What is the uh, Seventh Fleet capable of doing to push this back? I mean, I was I was a Seventh Fleet sailor. It's the historic Seventh Fleet that won the war in the Pacific in World War II. It's not the same instrument it used to be. Can the Seventh Fleet block? Could they break a naval blockade of Taiwan? They can if they act uh, first. Uh, but right now we have the Ronald Reagan Strike Group, which is in the vicinity. And President Biden ordered it to stay there on an indefinite period because of the tensions. But, you know, right now, the Chinese, of course, they've got more ships than we do. Um, they've got certainly more willpower. Do you believe that they know how to fight these ships? I mean, naval combat is very, very important. We saw that in World War II, the Japanese. It's one thing to have the instruments. It's another thing when the balloon goes up. China's never been in a major naval conflict 
at in Blue Water Navy. Do you believe they have the capability when the balloon goes up to actually keep it all together and kind of that combined arms naval warfare? Yeah, I, I don't think so. And the reason is that, you, as you point out, look, they're going to try something that they have never done, not only in the history of the People's Republic, but also in the history of China, which is a combined land, air, sea operation. The problem with China right now is that it's a it's a communist army. Like the Soviet army, it has two lines of command, one military, the other political. You mean the commissars, political the commissars. commissars. And of course, the political line is more important than the military line. That's never a good recipe. Are these generals basically political generals? Are they admirals, political admirals? Are they, they have a meritocracy when it comes to war fighters? Or is it as corrupt as the rest of the CCP? Um, at the flag officer level, it is entirely political. And the reason is Xi Jinping um, wanted to grab control of the military. See, he became general secretary of the Communist Party in 2012. He became the secretary because he was everybody's second choice. He was not a member of any faction. So nobody wanted him, but they wanted they least rank choice voting, was, rank choice voting in the CCP. He was the least unacceptable choice. So when he became general secretary, then what happened is he needed a political base because the Communist Party is factionalized. And what he did was he looked to certain flag officers to be the core of his support. So he has replaced the Jiang Zemin generals, the Hu Jintao generals, and so it's his military. But those generals realize that they owe their loyalty to him. Uh, but the financial implosion, you've been warning people about this for a long time. Uh, real estate values have dropped 30 uh, percent. You see tanks like in Tiananmen Square outside of the Henan branch of the Bank of China. Yeah. The Lao Beijing is told that, hey, the 50 cents on every dollar of the slave wages that you save to try to get through life, particularly when you come to retirement, is now deemed an investment product. They can't get their cash. Is Evergrande supposed to put out $300 billion recapitalization plan? The real estate company, they don't put it forward. The Chinese Communist Party says, hey, we're going to raise $150 billion to recapitalize these banks. And is this thing as big a mess? And is this going to implode and take down the CCP? I think so, Steve. But I think that Beijing is going to try to do two things. One of, first of all, Try to drag it out. So we've seen this big stimulus program that was announced a couple of weeks ago. But the problem for the Beijing is that nobody wants to borrow right now because they can see that if they build, they're not going to get their money back. And they don't get their real estate. And they don't get their real estate. Second thing is that you have Xi Jinping right now, I think, is creating crises abroad to distract the Chinese people. That's one way out of this for him. So if, for instance, he creates a crisis with Taiwan, or India, or the Philippines, or Japan, then, you know, people aren't going to think about the problems at home. There's only one real big problem for Xi Jinping, though, is that the Chinese people don't really want war right now. They've got the COVID lockdowns they're really unhappy about. And as you point out, the value of their real estate has been dropped about 30, 40 percent in the last couple months. That means they're losing their savings. We, everybody thought it was a block in November for him to be essentially named emperor for life. Do you think that's changed with developments over the last six to eight weeks? You know, right now the Chinese political system is less transparent than it's been in a very long really? time. Really? You even say that. As a, so, as a student of this, it's tough for you even to see read the tea I know, leaves? I know less about China today than I did two years ago or so. Because Xi Jinping has been closing the country up and the political system has gotten really murky. But one thing I can say is that, 
yes, most China watchers, like 95% of them, say that he's going to get his unprecedented okay. third term. But everybody is also saying that uh, the people who don't like Xi Jinping, who thinks his policies are horrible, they want to put other high officials around Xi in order to constrain him from doing wow. what he wants to do. Wow. That means political infighting because wow. Xi Jinping's going to get rid of those guys. By the way, it's never been more turbulent. That's why you need a guy like Gordon Chang. How do people get to your writings? What's the website? And are you working on a new book? Not working on a new book because things are changing too fast. Way to get a hold of me is basically at Twitter, um, at Gordon G. Chang. And my website where I archive my articles for free is www.gordonchang.com. Com. And people see you on Fox, they see you on Newsmax, and you put up when your hits are going to be on uh, on Twitter? I put my hits up on Twitter. Are, are you also on uh, True Social and Getter? Are you? No, I haven't. And I'm not on Facebook. I, I just... Just I'm, Twitter. Hadn't been banned yet. I, I've just stretched to the limit right now. Gordon Chang is... By the way, you, you admit, you've been doing this a long time. It's never been more intense. It's never been more urgent what's happening. Absolutely. Really worried. You know, the Chinese are doing things that they've never done before. Like these dangerous intercepts in the air where they almost brought down an Australian plane on May 26. Um, they, they fired flares and chaff at the plane. The chaff got ingested into one of the two engines. They almost, almost brought that plane down. down. Almost took it down. Gordon Chang, you're one of my heroes, my mentor, I got to tell you. You're my hero. No, no, you know so much. This guy, when the CCP falls, one of the critical guys that have backed the Lao Beijing and Chinese people for decades and decades and decades and enlightened the American people in years when they didn't want to hear it is Gordon Chang. Sir, honor to have you on here. Honor for me. Thanks, Gordon Steve. Chang. Look forward to having you back. Okay, we're going to go to one of my favorite doctors now. I've got to ask him. Joe Biden keeps getting sick. Dr. Peter McCullough. Thank you. How you doing, brother? Thank you. God bless you. Let me see this book. By the way, we're here in Dallas. Dallas is where you're, you're located, where right? We're yeah. so lucky. I've got a question. I've got a question before I talk about the book. Tell me about Biden and the vaccine. Why is Biden have COVID now for the third time? He took the, he took all the he took the, was it Pax Pax uh, Pax Paxlovid Paxlovid he's he's been boosted he's got nine shots is the facade and joke that this vaccine is cratering around Biden's continuing to have this you know Biden and Fauci what we know is that the vaccines now appear to weaken the immunity they are misdirecting the immune system against the obsolete Wuhan spike protein. The messenger RNA stays in the body for months and the body's trying to deal with this. The spike protein stays in the body for probably over a year. So his misdirected immune system now can't react to the Omicron variant. On top of that, he's treated with Paxlovid, which uh, uh, the CDC says don't do this in fully vaccinated people. This drug was uh, used in patients who were unvaccinated, where the immune system is responsive. So, you know, I haven't seen a single doctor profess any competency in managing outpatient COVID, looking at either Fauci or Biden. They didn't call us. I want to go back through this because the guy is, you know, it's an illegitimate regime, but he's there. When he got it, has anything he's done worked on any, even their protocol? That's my point. Even their protocols, they're just making it up as they go along. Is that how you see it? No, there's some good in this. For instance, the monoclonal antibodies have always been good. Remember former President Trump received them? Yes. Joe Rogan, Aaron Rodgers, people reached out to me. I've used them in my practice. The monoclonal antibodies are wonderful. You know, the 15% of people lucky enough to receive monoclonal antibodies who are hospitalized, they did great. In a recent paper by Huang and colleagues, they showed this. Sadly, 85% of people admitted to hospitals, and sadly, those who died 
did not get offered this life-saving treatment. Why was that? Because of cost or why were they not offered it? There was uh, uh, inequities in the supply chain. There was a lot of miscommunication. Uh, patients were told, just come to the ER. They're rapidly hospitalized. Uh, they were actually giving a drug that the WHO says don't use, which is remdesivir. Uh, they were uh, ventilated too early on a mechanical ventilator. There were all kinds of actions in the pandemic response that are nonsensical. What about now with Biden? What, what, I mean, how does a guy get it three times in a row in, in such a short period of time? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you attribute that to? The vaccines are non-sterilizing. They allow the virus to continue to foment in the nasopharynx. So in a sense, the vaccines are supporting the virus in the nasopharynx, they're not sterilizing them. And on top of that, the uh, use of just an antiviral alone is not managing the inflammation and not managing other other processes in the, in the uh, infection. So when I published the McCullough Protocol, it's using a combination of drugs to extinguish the infection. Do you know my mom, who's in senior living here in Dallas, got the infection. She? She's 83. She got the infection about the same time as Biden, unvaccinated. She got drugs in sequence. She got ivermectin, nutraceuticals and supplements, iodine nasal washes, corticosteroids, and anti, uh, other anti-inflammatories. Five days. She's, I'm better. I'm done. At, 80, at 83. In senior living. Is, are we not seeing Tony Fauci? Is one of the reasons we're not seeing it, the courage to face COVID-19. Your, your book, and you wrote this with a crime writer right. because you said this is like a thriller, okay? Are, is one of the reasons we're not seeing Fauci as much is because of books like this and the Dr. Malone's yourself doing these media hits. Is that the reason? There is, you know, Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Oh, wow. It's all in the open. The National Institutes of Health under Francis Collin and his guidance, uh, Fauci's guidance in the... Uh, National Allergy, Immunology, Infectious Disease Branch, they were part of this problem to begin with, and it's been a massive cover-up on pandemic response. Hold on, what do you mean cover-up? That's pretty I mean a cover-up. This is a very important term. A cover-up, meaning that when things are exposed, when the Pfizer documents revealed 1,223 deaths shortly after the release of Pfizer vaccines, people are dying after this vaccine, that the CDC, NIH, and FDA are collusional in actually suppressing it. The lawyer for the FDA did not want to release that data to America for 55 years. That's a prima facie evidence of a cover-up. Um, the Kennedy book and these other books, do you think it's destroyed Fauci's reputation or do you think we need to get a full investigation by the House once we take over to get to the facts? Full investigation. Full investigation. Why do you argue for that? Because the amount of redaction that we have seen in documents so far, Senator Ron Johnson has 43 letters of inquiry. He's receiving mountains of redaction. We need these people front and center, Steve. And you know what? We need to see them questioned before the American public. Um, and so what do you do? What, what do you mean by what do you mean by investigation? What would you like to see if Peter McCulloch, Malone, if you guys are sitting there and advising the Jim Jordans, advising McCarthy's, how would you structure these to make sure we got to the full bottom of all of the Wuhan, of the gain of function of all of it? They should be investigated according to lines of the law. We have regulatory law, regulatory law. We actually have law in terms of how products are presented to the American public. We have the uh, Truth and Advertising Act, the Landman Act, the U.S. Drug and Cosmetic Act, and according to the law, on presentation of their products. What did these people know? What did they direct? What did they do? And how were the laws violated? 
why did they why did they throw out all these different you know we had processes at FDA at other things why did they throw them all out did, did the pandemic at the time you think rise to the level given the information we had to just throw everything out or, or do you think there was enough evidence there we should have stuck with the program for the FDA we should have stuck with the normal vaccine process and not going to emergency use authorization well, well absolutely we should have just used the conventional methods in terms of safety and efficacy the thought pattern that was going on is this is a really bad problem we haven't developed anything else we're going to go with these vaccines and boy they better work and if they don't work we're going to double quadruple and triple down on it and that's where we are right now and and, and do you think the evidence at the time given all the uncertainty justified doing the route they want to do particularly when we talk efficacy you talk about the vaccine we're essentially doing as naomi wolf and these volunteers do this research we're essentially still doing a clinical trial right now on the american people with these vaccines we're doing a large observational investigation it is a clinical trial it should have had a day safety monitoring board a critical event committee a human ethics committee there should have been safety reports to america once a month we should know who's having problems with the vaccines who's doing well and with the vaccines and why by the way, tell me about the book. We've got about a minute. The, the book, book How Do People Get it? Are you going to turn this into a movie because it reads like a thriller? We need to. I tell you, I want Daniel Craig to play me. Um, but Courage to Face COVID-19, it's a story. It's a crime story. And it's What do you say, a crime story? What's it's the crime? It's a crime of What's all the crime? time. The two crimes are fraud and mass negligent homicide. Who are, who are the defendants? The biopharmaceutical complex, this very, very intricate group of stakeholders who had from the very beginning a plan to suppress early treatment and railroad these vaccines. You mean Big Pharma and the biotech industry that's around that? And the government agencies. And the government agencies. That would be CDC, FDA, it would be NIH. Fauci, Dr. Collins? Yes. Okay. Dr. McCullough, real quickly, on social media, how do people follow you? Follow me. I got a link tree, PeterMcCulloughMD.com, and on Twitter... I have 2.5 million people on my Twitter account each day. Twitter's unfollowing me down to 500,000 followers. Hold it, they've taken you from 2.5 million down to 500,000? They're running unfollow programs. Are you, are, you on, uh, are you on True Social or Getter yet? Both of them. Okay, fine. What are you, what are you on True Social and Getter? What's your, what's your handle? Uh, P underscore McCullough MD. Okay. You're an American hero. Thank so you. glad to finally have you in studio. God no, seriously, you. great man. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to be back with War Room Battleground. we got Ken Paxson from the Longhorse State next. In the in studio. You're hot, man. Bannon's the hottest thing here. Hello, everyone. I want to thank each and every one of you for your support of Lindell TV, Frank Speech, My Pillow, My. War Room Posse, you already know free speech is under constant attack by the swamp and their big tech allies. They resell your communications and personal data while lecturing and laughing at you. I've got the solution. Unplugged Systems, a secure communications company, has an app suite you can install on any Android phone, including its own uncancelable app store, VPN, antivirus, and highly encrypted messenger better than Wicker, Signal, Telegram, or anything else. None of your message or VPN traffic is stored, analyzed, or sold. Claim your security for only $10 a month. 
go to their website, unplugged.com. That's unplugged.com slash war room to install the unplugged suite. It's secure. It's private. It's the way we stay connected and informed. Get it now. Take action, action, action. Use your agency. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today. Check it out. They put Peter Navarro in leg irons for simply doing his constitutional duty. Now they want to put Peter in prison for standing up for Donald Trump. Please go to Amazon right now and order Taking Back Trump's America to help fund Peter's legal defense. Taking Back Trump's America provides a critical MAGA blueprint to put Trump back in the White House in 2024. Buy Taking Back Trump's America on Amazon today. If they can put Peter Navarro in prison, they can come for all of us. War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. From Battleground right here, Mike Lindell's uh, uh, Frank Speech TV, we got the great Attorney General Ken Paxson from the Longhorse State, Texas. Thank you so much for joining hey, us, Ken. Hey, glad to be here. Welcome to Can Dallas. we have a shout-out for Ken Paxson? What a great job he's doing. Thank you. Thank you. Now, hold it, hold, 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 hold it. You've got Chris Kobach was on the other day before he went, the night before making his pitch to the War Room Posse on the show. And he said, he said, look, i got to win this because somebody's got to come in. Kansas has got to come in and have the back of Texas. He said, poor Ken Paxson's got 25 major lawsuits against the Biden administration. Ken informs me, he says, no, Ken, Ken uh, Chris Kobach's incorrect. You have 31 major yeah, lawsuits. he's just a little behind on it, but he, I would love to have his help. He's, How do you have 31? Are they totally lawless? They look at federal law as adjustable for them to change. That's not the way the Constitution was set up, but that is the major problem. Give me an example. Like, Give me the best example. They think they got federal law. They can flip it to do what they I'll want. I'll give you an example. That they... Money was appropriated for building the wall. Yes, I think Joe, I remember that. Joe Biden says, "No, we're not building the wall. We're gonna we're gonna stop all the building. We're gonna still pay the contractors. All the materials are gonna sit on the sidelines. I'm not building the wall." He, has oh, no he would pay the contractors, keep the he material has there. under contract, keep keep it there, but not actually put the wall up. That's illegal. He's he is required to follow what's appropriated, not make up his own rules on what what he's gonna spend. Talk to me about the two or three most important lawsuits you've got against the Biden administrations. One that you think will move the needle in holding this illegitimate regime to account for what they've tried to do to the American people. Well, t- Title 42, uh, we've sued them over Title 42, which if, if that 
If we lost that, if Title 42 is not in place, the border already is. Title 42 is just about about the uh, bringing COVID in or yes, bringing there. That, that's the only thing left that is useful in, in protecting the border. In other words, we'd have 500,000 people, yes, illegal the aliens even, a month. Yeah, the number goes up even more, which we're already overwhelmed. I know D.C. is too because they've got 4,000 now. No, that's because because what Governor Abbott and you guys have done, which is smartly shifted up there. Bowser's called out the National Guard. She didn't call out the National Guard on January 6th, but she's called out the National Guard now. But do you know that's 0.1% of the illegals that have come come across the border? We get that every day, and she's complaining about 0.1% of the total illegals that have come across the border. Why is it like such a game where you've got, they're, they're, they're called migrants, but it's not even illegals. They, they, they've got an open door they're coming through. It's destroying Texas. It's destroying South Texas and the Rio Grande Valley. The working class Hispanics are the ones that bear the brunt of that. It's like a game with the Biden administration. How do we stop the game? It's a strategy, and the strategy is simple. We want to get as many people here at any cost, whether we have more drug overdoses, which we do, whether we have more crime, whether it economically impacts the states that they go to, they don't. They they're fine with all of that, and the goal is twofold: one, get as many as many people here as possible so they can give them amnesty, and they're putting in mostly in Republican states. Secondly, that you think they, they're doing that because they wanted to vote one day? Yes, but secondly, there's no doubt in your mind. No doubt. Secondly, it, these are states that are doing well economically. They're they're attracting businesses and people, and they want to harm our states. They're, that's that's another side. You think that they're going after the red states in this regard? Yeah, this is a way to hurt us. So tell me the lawsuit. You got Title Forty Two to stop it. What are you trying to do besides Forty Two to thwart this invasion of the southern border to stop the Biden administration? What else is there to do that you're trying to We're do? We're trying to force them to build the wall. Money's been appropriated by Congress to build the wall. There's no doubt. Border Patrol told Trump, "Here's what you need to do if you want to have a permanent solution to most of the immigration problem." And the Biden administration says, ah, it's appropriated from Congress. We're not going to spend it the way we're supposed to. We're, we make that decision, not Congress. What about the uh, what about all these things about CRT, gender ideology? Uh, you've got the situation down there with uh, gender, all this gender uh, surgery. You've got the uh, abortion centers, all the things in the culture area. What are you guys doing on that? So we're defending it. We've just defended uh, our, our abortion law, our, our laws. We also... We are. We were the amicus brief with with yes. all the other states on the Dobbs case. We wrote that a, that a brief asking for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. That was our brief. So yes. we're very engaged in that fight, and we've continued to win that fight, which is amazing to me that we've come this far. Do you think they're saying now that this could be a political advantage to the Democrats? Do you see that in Texas at all? Look, no. Wendy Davis eight years ago ran for governor as Democrat, and she made abortion the central theme of her campaign. She stood up in the Senate. I was right next I to her. I remember that. And she tried to thwart the will of the people on our on passage of, of became a hero on MSNBC. And she ran on that issue and lost overwhelmingly. You know why? Because there's a lot of Catholic Hispanics who don't like unlimited abortion. And that's one of the reasons that, that we're talking about maybe getting 55% of the Hispanic vote now in Texas Maybe this time. more. You think maybe more? It may be even more. I, the, the Hispanic population, according to things I've seen and polls I've seen, they have the highest... Um, Dislike of Joe Biden, right? Like, right. Of any because group. of cultural. Talk to me before I let you go. Voter integrity. You were on. You've been on so many times. But you were on back. I think at the beginning of the year. It was in December. December. There was a big problem. They got this kink in Texas law that they. But certain prosecutors don't report to you. Yeah, yeah. You're so, the attorney general, but they don't report to you. Yeah. So all the DAs, unfortunately, in Texas, this is the way it works. They are responsible for prosecuting all criminal acts. 
I can only take referrals except for one thing. In 1951, the legislature granted the attorney general voter fraud, probably because it wasn't being prosecuted locally. We've been doing that for over 70 years and the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is largely unknown, they're all Republican, 8-1 struck that down, which means now the local DAs in big cities, which are funded by Soros, will not prosecute voter fraud and we'll lose Texas. How do Republicans in Texas, uh, judges, vote 8-1 to to reverse that and send it back to the local prosecutors? How did that happen? 70 years of precedence. They looked at a provision from the legislature that was authorized by the, the Texas Constitution and look, I can't answer that question. These are Republicans, but no one knows who they are. If I asked any Republican out here, 99.9% .9 couldn't name one of them, which makes me very suspicious of the people that are on that court. How Soros is ideologically our enemy, but he's smart and crafty, right? He's very smart. He's a genius. Genius. You he's said a genius. The way he looks at certain areas. And I think was... he did this. I think he put his DAs in place, and without us knowing, he had an impact on this court. How do we get find out more about your campaign? We were all over the primary. And by the way, historic, you really destroyed the Bush apparatus. And I know from a self-effacing, humble guy like Ken Paxson, that had to sting in Bushland. Tell us about the general campaign. And how do people, the House of War and Posse, get to your site to support you? Thank you. KenPaxson.com, website, and then at KenPaxsonTX is Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You know, you're like, a, you're like a, one of the heroes from the old movies. You're very humble and self-effacing. But you're tough as boot leather. Hey, well, you never you. back off. Hey, Ken thank Paxson. you. So honored. Yeah. Attorney General of the great state of Texas, Longhurst State. Thank you, sir. Appreciate thank you. it. Every okay, day. we're going to get Royce White in here in just a second. Let's go ahead and roll, guys. Thank you, Ken. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, now yeah. we got the one and only Royce White. By the way, yes. Ken Paxson's running. We just talked about his race. Tell us about what's happening on Tuesday. Tuesday, primary election versus uniparty establishment, globalist, C.C. Okay. Davis. Okay, hang, hang for a second. Yeah. They had a primary. Yeah. Doug Wardlow, uh, the, uh, the, the Mike Lindell's lawyer was running for yep. uh, attorney, attorney general. He, he got the okie doke at the state convention. That's right. What happened? They had a local convention, and I, I, I thought you were leading the, like the first round. What, why do we even have a primary on Tuesday? We have a primary because the Minnesota Republican establishment is an example of greatly an example of what the National Republican establishment is, which is the outer bastion of, of, of defense for New World Order and, and the globalist agenda. And, and the Minnesota, you know, the Minnesota Republican Party's idea of election strategy is to become Democrat like. What do you mean they become they become undocumented Democrats? They they believe that in order to appeal to deep blue states, you have to lie to them and and and, and appease their, their Democrat ideas and values. And and if you can't do that, or if you do that and you win, you don't really win in my opinion. You lose. Because you're winning on a on a false on a false well, I mean, how do you come back to those how do you come back you either actually become a Democrat over the two years of your time in office? Or you lie to your constituents, and then you you have no real movement. Let's talk about your opponent. This is coming up on Tuesday on yeah. all the war and posse. Make sure you go check out uh, Royce and what Ro Royce stands for. But w what are the policy differences yeah. between? I, we'll talk about the personal differences and making things happen, and the best person to beat Omar because that's what we want. Yeah. What are the policy differences between you and CC? Well, it's CC Davis, right? She, she, and she doesn't even have a real policy a, agenda. Her campaign from the start was a cutout to be a controlled opposition to Omar, somebody who they could use to you raise you money. Don't, you don't believe she can beat Omar? Th there's no way she is could that, beat Omar. There's too, no is that, way is that, she could beat Omar. Are you being too harsh? In, 
she was never meant to beat Omar. You're saying this that you're in your belief this is a total setup. Controlled opposition from the start to raise money based on the fact that she's a black woman and she could she could raise two million dollars and they spent one point eight million. They don't have a nickel to rub together. And I don't see her face anywhere when I'm in the city. Or, I don't or, see or, any or, billboards, any ads on one, TV. They spent one more eight million 1. against 8 you million dollars against you or in general so far. They raised two million. They spent one point nine. We don't see her anywhere in the Twin Cities in, in our district. And that means the, the political operatives robbed the campaign. And this has become the, the outer bastion of defense to keep real American candidates from general elections. Now, you you have basically said, I'm not going to play that game. I'm yeah. not going to go. I'm not going to have the consultants. I'm not yeah. going to have the guys that take 85 cents every dollar to raise money. What I'm going to do is run a non-traditional campaign. Walk Be us through Because that. Real America's Voice, because of the war room, because of your support, because of people even like Alex Jones and Jason Whitlock, we were able to raise around $400,000 completely grassroots with no third party fundraising bundlers that take 80% of the American. People don't realize the greatest business in the world, right? Right. It, 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 it actually, it, it offends me. By the, the way, the, who, the who, who has 80% distribution fees? The, no middleman gets 80%. The single this grade, has been a wake up for you, the political system. You, you see my face. No, 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 no. But I mean, no. But if people in the community, if the African-American community understood the actual structure of yeah. the political system, yeah. they would say, what are we doing here? What is, this thing's so corrupt, well, right? Well, even, you even, can't get to a good outcome because it's so corrupt in the process. Even even, even white working classes. Look, the most, the most alarming thing I've learned during this entire time entering into the political process is that the bundlers who fundraise for most candidates take 80% on the dollar of the American taxpayer and citizen. And they put it right in their pocket. And and we just said we're not on individually. I made a pact with the people around me in my campaign early on in this thing to say, we will not do any business with any third party fundraisers that want to take 80 cents on the dollar from the American people. So the 400,000, you use that to build a growth. First off, number of Republicans that vote in the district, 20,000? What's the number? 20, 15,000. About 15,000 yeah. of actual people that show up on primary day. That's right. To, to reach those people, are you doing town halls? Are you knocking on doors? What, we, we did, what's the engagement in the community? We did town halls. We did door knocking. We did direct targeted ads to Facebook. Um, the, the, the data shows that a lot of the um, primary voters were, spent a lot of time online. So we did a lot of targeted ads. Um, and and, and we, we did billboards. I mean, we, I've we, seen some of the we, we did very about powerful. eight billboards very throughout powerful. the city in main central locations. So, isn't the key to beat Omar? Correct me if I'm wrong. In many in this district, is a, is to do outreach to the African American community that would vote. And isn't CC Davis the best candidate to do that? Or are you the best candidate to do that? No, CC Davis is not even a real candidate. The 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 re, she didn't come from our community. She didn't come from our neighborhood. She nobody black is voting for CC Davis. And, and, and I'm sorry to say it. You know, she's. She's a token Republican. She's one of these people who saw an opportunity to have a job. She draped herself in MAGA and Trump when she started the campaign. And, and slowly as the campaign has gone on, she stripped her social media and everything else from anything Trump. Of She's Trump. really become a never Trumper. And well, the party's a never Trumper. How are They're you go, in a district up in Minneapolis? Yeah. Right. In that district. How are you going to be pro Trump and pro MAGA and have a shot, not just at the primary, but yeah. actually have a shot have a shot against taking on Omar. Listen, and this is why I think that the president should endorse me and that the president and I should develop a, a good relationship because going into 2024, he needs people that can actually go into these black communities and speak to these issues and bring the America First agenda 
to these people in a truthful and honest way where they understand that what they've been told about Donald Trump and the agenda, nationalist populist movement, trade, the the border, uh, all of these things is is not what they've been sold. And, and only real genuine people that come from those communities who aren't sellouts can deliver that message, can drive that message home. And I think I can do that. I've begun to do that, but, but we'll continue. This is a long game. I'm 30 years old. That's why I got into this at this age, because we're losing the country and, and I want to help save it. When you watch MSNBC or CNN, you, you think what the African community, the black community is concerned about is racism. If you just watch all race, yeah. you talk about China, you talk about geopolitics, yeah. you let a march in the George, in the George Floyd situation from that, from that interstate highway down to the Federal Reserve. You're talking about a whole different set of issues. Yeah. Is that resonating? Does that connect when you start talking to African Americans and white working class and, and, and middle class in the district and you they never hear this nomenclature before? Do you believe you're starting to connect? We're, we're making huge inroads. I mean, the, the black community was already primed to believe that there was a greater establishment that moved in the shadows and, and worked to undermine the value of their citizenship and the American dream. They've been misdirected at who those people actually are, what those players are, and they've been made to think that it's conspiracy theory, but like you say, it's not a conspiracy. It's right out there in the open. So all I'm doing when I march 18,000 people to, to the Federal Reserve in George Floyd is say, why are we at the police precincts? Where do you think the fentanyl's coming from? The fentanyl's coming straight from China. This is a, this is a, 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 a reverberation from an opium war that they never stopped fighting. This is payback time. And big, from the first opium war back in the 19th century. From the century. first opium war. And, the, and big tech in Wall Street and the D.C. elites in Hollywood and, 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 and all the other uh, swamp creatures, they're all in on it. They're okay with, with, with our young people dying from fentanyl at record rates. This is the, these are the ramifications. And it happens in the black community. People are getting marijuana and things laced with fentanyl, dying at an all-time alarming rate. And when you tell them that the fentanyl is coming from China, they go, what? Never knew it's coming. Who's manufacturing? Johnson & Johnson. They go, wow. Who's giving you the vaccine? Johnson & Johnson. Okay. So they're, they're starting to, to wake up. But the problem has been that the Republican establishment has been afraid to go into the places that have been roped off by the Democrat Party. And I don't think that they've done that on accident. I think they've conceded that territory out of fear. And fear out of, and, fear and of, of co-conspiracy. Fear of being called racist. Fear of being called uh, called, no, called no, xenophobic. No, no fear of fear of speaking the truth. Fear of fear of picking up a Bible and bringing a ministry of truth into the most dangerous places. And even us Christians, the referendum is on us Christians. We have to find the ministry. We have to go speak the truth in the darkest and most dangerous of places. That was our call. That was our charge given to us by the Lord and Father. And every time, every year that goes by that we don't do that. We, we move closer and closer to total annihilation. What is your your faith uh, is in, in, you know comes through you when you speak your politics, your thinking? How did you come to your faith and how important it is in your lived experience? Well, I grew up a Catholic. I grew up a Christian. When I fought the NBA about mental health, it was kind of super political. It was about the human condition. It was about psychology. And, and I never really, because I came into the public square in a very unique way through the sports vector, I didn't realize that atheism had gotten so out of control. I didn't realize that the anti-God sentiment, even amongst middle uh, white America, was so out of control until the George Floyd thing happened. And then I marched us to the Fed and I made us bow our head in prayer and I look up and only half of the people's heads were bowed. Is that true? Yeah. 
Yeah, I made, we, we bowed our head in prayer outside the Federal Reserve. I look up, only half the people's heads were bowed, and the majority of them were white. And, I'm, and, and I call my best friend and I go, he was the first one to tell me that the white atheism thing was out of control. And I argued with him. I said, no, 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 you're completely wrong. There's plenty of Christians left in this country. And when I saw it firsthand, I went, oh my God. This is really, this is, it's clear that this is a problem. We have no sacred honor. All of the political, all of the economic is all downstream from a loss of sacred honor. Talk to me. we got a couple of minutes left. I want people very much to focus on what you have to do over the next couple days. You're actually here for the big three league, but you're going to go back to campaign. Walk through, get, give your uh, uh, website. How do people support you? But yeah. where are you going to be when you get back to Minneapolis? They can see you on the run up to Election Day. Um, RoyceWhite.us. That's our campaign website. Obviously, you can follow me on Getter. You can follow me on Substack. Uh, I'm, I'm on True Social. Um, we play here at the Big Three that tomorrow, and, and I'll be back in Minnesota first thing Sunday morning. We got Monday, hopefully. We host War Room live yeah, we're, from, we're, we're from, doing, we're, from Minneapolis we're, we're, on Monday. We're working that nonstop. I we're got working my man. that, and working and, that. Uh, and and yeah, we're, you know, we, we've done everything we can do in the district. Um, Thirteen thousand Republican voters in CD five. And they get to decide on Tuesday whether or not they want to have a country. I'm very, very happy that that the people of Arizona decided that they want to have a country. It's a, a huge key turn in, in our in our uh, country's political uh, landscape. And I hope we can do the same thing in the primary in Minnesota on Tuesday. What has uh, Royce White learned about himself in this process? Well, I learned that I learned that I'm certainly not a sellout. I mean, you You've know, stuck to your principles you, and, and, and we have to keep going irregardless of winning or losing. If we win by becoming Democrats, if we win by becoming the devil, if we win by losing our sacred honor, we lose in the eternal, and that's what's most important. For all your fans out there, this is a commitment of yours. You're, you're now engaged in the political process of this country. Well, you're not backing listen, off. Listen, if we, if we don't win, if for some reason the, the, the Republican constituency of CD5, of 13,000 Republican voters, decide they don't want to have a country, and they want to be a piggy bank for the party of Davos or a tributary state to China or, or, or a, a surf society to Wall Street and the Fed, then I go to a bigger constituency and we run a statewide election in 24. Fantastic. You're a, uh, you're a hero. Godspeed, brother. I tell love you, man. You, I love you, too. You're, I tell you one thing. Royce White, very rare guy. Country needs him right now. Okay, I want to thank everybody. T 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, we're going to be back here live at CPAC. I think we're going to put up, I'm going to talk later tonight. We'll make sure we get that up on Getter, Getter Live. I want to thank everybody, Mike Lindell and everybody who makes this show possible. War Room Battleground live from CPAC, Royce White, the entire Posse, my production crew. See you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock.